Thank you for stopping by today. This is the College Investor Audio Show, and a great show today. Hopefully, it clears some things up a little bit as we talk about the foreign language of financial aid terminology. Let's get right to it. Before we get to today's show, I wanted to share a quick reminder that being financially organized is one of the biggest factors in building wealth. Want to be a millionaire? It's not going to happen if you're not organized with your money. So how can you get organized? Well, our favorite app is Empower. It's free, allows you to connect your banks and brokers, and it gives you daily income and expense updates. Ready to try it out? You can sign up at thecollegeinvestor.com slash empowermoney. It's kind of an alphabet soup of different words and acronyms when you're talking about financial aid stuff. You might think you understand the babble, but it's kind of easy to get confused with it. Misunderstanding the terminology can present students with a big-time trap that might mislead them into enrolling at an unaffordable college even. Ugh. So let's learn what these words actually mean and then what to watch out for. First, let's define financial aid because there's financial aid and then there's financial aid. Financial aid is money to help pay for college, but it comes in many types. Some types are more valuable than others. There are three main types of financial aid. Gift aid, which is just free money, like grants and scholarships that don't need to be earned or repaid. Examples include federal Pell Grants and private scholarships. And then there's student employment. So student employment is money earned by the student as payment for work on and off campus. And then there's student loans. Student loans is, of course, borrowed money that's got to be paid back, usually with interest. Examples include federal direct Stafford loan, federal direct PLUS loan, and private student and parent loans, that type of stuff. Student employment and student loans are sometimes collectively referred to as self-help aid. Financial aid comes from several sources, too. The federal government, state government, colleges and universities, private companies, foundations, associations, and even employers. Now, let's talk about financial need versus merit. Financial need is the difference between total annual college costs and the family's ability to pay for one year of college. Ability to pay is calculated by the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, FAFSA, as the Student Aid Index, SAI, formerly known as the Expected Family Contribution. That wasn't confusing at all. So the SAI is a measure of the family's financial strength. It's based on income, assets, and demographic factors. Eligibility for need-based financial aid is based on financial need. This formula shows that there are two ways for a student to demonstrate greater financial need. One is to have a lower SAI, student aid index. The other is to enroll at a higher cost college. Wealthier students might qualify for need-based financial aid at a higher cost college when they might not qualify for any need-based financial aid at a lower cost college. Some forms of need-based financial aid, however, are not based on financial need. Huh. Some financial aid, like federal Pell Grant, are based on just the SAI, without regard to financial need at all. So eligibility for the federal Pell Grant is calculated using two formulas. One formula bases a student's eligibility on the federal Pell Grant on the difference between the maximum Pell Grant and the SAI, 
So if this difference is at least the minimum federal Pell Grant, the minimum Pell Grant is 10% of the maximum Pell Grant. Clear as mud, huh? The other formula bases eligibility for a federal Pell Grant on a comparison of family income with a multiple of the poverty line. Quick example, a student is eligible for the maximum federal Pell Grant if adjusted gross income, or the AGI, is less than or equal to 175% of the poverty line for a two-parent household, or 225% of the poverty line for a single-parent household. The threshold for a student to qualify for a minimum federal Pell Grant is 100 percentage points higher. Some forms of financial aid are based on merit instead of financial need. Some are based on a combination of merit and need. Grants are money awarded based on financial need, while scholarships are usually awarded based on academic, artistic, or athletic talent. But sometimes the terms are used interchangeably. Man, it just gets more and more confusing. Some private scholarships with a need-based component base it on the student having an SAI or family income that is below a specific threshold. All right, so how is financial need actually met? Most colleges do provide a financial aid package that covers all or part of financial need through a combination of things like gift aid, student employment, student loans, from all kinds of sources. But student loans aren't really financial aid at all, since they got to be paid back, right? So very few colleges meet a student's full demonstrated financial need, even with loans. Most colleges do not meet full need. A lot of colleges leave the student with a gap of unmet need between financial aid and financial need. 60% of students, actually, at four-year colleges are left with unmet need if one counts student loans as meeting need, and 75% if only grants and scholarships are counted as meeting need. These averages drop by only about three percentage points at the most selective and wealthiest colleges, by the way. Only 82 of the thousands of colleges claim to meet full need, including five who met full need just for first-year students. <laughs> of the colleges that did meet that full need, 43 have, quote, no loans, financial aid policies that replace loans with grants in the financial aid package. That's nice. The others include loans in the financial aid package. But this actually doesn't mean that they meet full need according to the federal definition. 71 of these colleges use the CSS profile to calculate financial need. Most have a minimum student contribution or summer work expectation that puts a cap on the definition of financial need. So they effectively kind of, you know, redefine financial need and then they claim to satisfy financial need according to this reduced definition. This is why it's important for families to compare college costs using the net price. The net price is the difference between total annual college costs and just gift aid. It's the amount the family will have to pay from savings income and loans. It's the real bottom line cost of college, maybe a, kind of a discounted sticker price, if you will. Other metrics, like the amount of grants, the percentage of financial aid provided through grants, and the percentage of college costs covered by grants, those are all misleading. A higher-cost college might provide more grants, but still cost more. 
You may pay more at a college that claims to meet full need than at an in-state public college, even though many meet full need colleges are among the more generous colleges. So beware of colleges that present a net cost figure that subtracts the full financial aid package, including loans, from total college costs. This is not the same as the net price. Other financial aid gotchas. There are some other ways that college financial aid packages mislead families about the true college costs beyond just gapping unmet need and redefining financial need. Yeah, these include front-loading of grants and scholarship displacement. Okay, more than 80% of colleges practice front-loading of grants, where students are offered a better mix of grants versus loans during the first year than during subsequent years. This is kind of a form of a bait-and-switch where the college appears to be more affordable when students are applying for admission. The net price of these colleges will increase significantly after the first year, even if the family's financial circumstances have not changed. More of the college costs will be met with loans and the gap will increase. On average, the net price increases by about 3 to 4K. No joke. So families may mistakenly believe that scholarships can help them pay for their share of college costs. And then they're shocked when they learn that the scholarships will reduce the need-based financial aid package and not cover the SAI or EFC, expected family contribution. But then it gets worse. Some colleges will reduce grants instead of reducing unmet need or loans. (laughs) So this is called scholarship displacement. And about half of all scholarship recipients report being affected by scholarship displacement. This just isn't right. However, six states have passed laws banning this sort of practice. California, Maryland, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Washington. All banning this scholarship displacement thing. The last thing we'll talk about is need-blind versus need-sensitive admissions. Students and their families often kind of wonder whether applying for student aid is going to affect their chances of college admission. Only 102 colleges claim to provide need-blind admission for U.S. students. They admit students without regard to their ability to pay for college. Of them, only 78 provide need-blind admission for transfer students and 26 provide need-blind admission for international students. Most of these colleges are not need-blind when it comes to admitting students off of the wait list. The rest typically start considering financial need when they've admitted about three-quarters of the incoming class, switching to need-sensitive admissions when they start running out of money in the financial aid budget. So don't try to game the system by not applying for financial aid the first year. Maybe you can handle paying full college costs for a year, but that doesn't mean you can apply for financial aid in subsequent years. Most colleges with need-sensitive admissions will not provide their own grants to students who did not apply for financial aid the first year, unless they can demonstrate that their financial circumstances have changed significantly. In other words, don't you dare try to game the system when the dealer holds all the cards. The house always wins. And that is our show for today. Oh, I hope this financial aid terminology trap has been avoided at least a little bit and hopefully some clarity into these types of words that you're going to run across when you're applying for financial aid. 
Go ahead and dive deeper too. Just search for this article at thecollegeinvestor.com. You can also find us. We are all over social media. Just search for The College Investor and you'll find us. We'd love to get to know you better and help you out in your journey. Thanks again for stopping by today and we will talk to you again real soon.